What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. All right, here we go, guys. I remember a day that there used to be slow news days in college football, and there was a time that I would take three weeks in a row off. Well, those days are way, way gone. There's news every single day, and we're on top of it with the analysis that you prefer because we're open, objective, give you a little bit of news as well. Presented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Caleb, we got a lot to talk about today. We've got odds, uh, Tennessee's national championship odds. When's the last time they were even listed? We also have... uh, Thoughts on Nico, where does he compare in the anticipation to other quarterbacks? As a matter of fact, that's on our YouTube channel right now. I gave you three options. I gave you Josh Dobbs. I gave you Tyler Bray, Peyton Manning, and somebody else. And I'll explain to you why I didn't include Eric Ainge and Casey Clawson in the list. Part of the reason is because we only had four entries because that's YouTube. But... There, there, there's also a reason because I covered those teams and it was a different sort of excitement. Also, Thursdays mean Ron Slay and Josh Ward. So Ron Slay will talk to the former basketball hoopster about uh, the Lady Vols as SEC begins and then what expect what to expect from the guys as well. And then Caleb has this crazy thought that really isn't crazy. Should the Rose Bowl host 
the national title every year. I've been there and I totally split, totally split. All right, so here we go. Let's get off and roll and hit that like and subscribe button. Josh Ward joins us as well. Did I mention Josh, Caleb? Yes, you did. You mentioned Josh. And I'm glad we didn't take today off because if we took the off the day after the Epstein client list came out, everybody would have every suspicion in the world. <laughs> so I want to say up front, Dave and I were not on the list. <laughs> no, and poor Caleb who also handles news. Um, and he... Um, when you hear a big news story about Trump or Epstein or something like that, he's not taking political sides. He's just working a lot. So I know it was uh, probably kind of a long one for you. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I think that Jeffrey Epstein guy isn't a, isn't a good dude. He's not a good dude. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't seen proof yet that Joe Paterno was made aware of it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the Butch Jones of the investment world, yeah or nay? Well, he was actually a good investor. He was just a terrible person. So um, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw that on Butch Jones. I would not. Yeah, no, no. Bad as Butch Jones is that. <laughs> Definitely some sociopathic tendency. So let's go ahead and get to today's tough question. It's brought to you by our good buddy Andy Mason and AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, let's go ahead and set this thing up. We're going to get to Gabe, Judy, Lolly, and D. Williams declaring for the draft here momentarily. But first, the Vols, early national championship odds are out. Caleb, you're more of the gambler. I'm sure there's some guy on a street corner that would take your money no matter what. But don't you have to be kind of in the top 25 or so teams to even get odds on a national title? Typically, I mean, they go pretty deep. I mean, they pretty much name, uh, Fandle's naming everybody. I mean, if you guys want to, you can get Jacksonville State at, I think it's plus a million. So, you know, or maybe it's plus 100,000, excuse me. It's plus 100,000. So you bet $100, you win $100,000. You bet 1,000, you win a million. So I bet what's going to happen is those those are those lines are going to even in the, the years coming out because I think, uh, football in general is going to have more parity at the college level. Okay, so the Vols' early national title odds are pretty impressive. So let's get to them. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Andy Mason is fantastic with the best service, the best prices in the biz in real estate in East Tennessee. Andy is unbelievable. And there's just no, no decision to be made. Over 40 years of experience in his office, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. So... Tennessee's title odds, give me a thumbnail sketch of where they stand compared to some other big-name programs on the list. Tennessee, if you factor in what is the best bet in a year, which is it's a combination of the likelihood of somebody doing something with how much the odds are against them, how good of odds you can get, because that's how that's, you, you know, the longer the odds, the greater the payout. Tennessee has is is the best national title bet there is in college football, bar none okay. based on these odds. Well, let's let's and, look at that because um, I do think you're on to something. Now, I don't believe in betting futures because I think it ties up your money. Um, just in general, that's a, a gambling guru uh, told me that one time, and I, I think that's pretty much correct. I think they're more for fun. But you got Georgia plus four fifty, so in other words, you bet a hundred dollars. You win $450. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff because you're a gambling expert, Caleb. 
Uh, Alabama plus 550, Ohio State plus 700, Texas plus 900, Michigan plus 1,000, Oregon plus 1,200, LSU plus 1,200, Ole Miss plus 1,400. Wow. Uh, Florida State plus 1,800, Penn State plus 2,500, and Tennessee plus 2,500. Well, I'll tell you right now that Tennessee has a better chance of winning a national championship than Penn State. Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. And I think they have a better chance of winning a national title than Florida State next year. I think Florida State will still be stuck in the ACC and players aren't going to want to go there because they realize what happened this year. And I think Ole Miss, I I don't see, even though I believe in Link Kiffin as a coach and Ole Miss got all this talent, I think it's hard to get it all together. But Dave, that's just bet online Tennessee is the best odds. Their odds are even better on FanDuel. And what I mean, or they're longer on FanDuel, meaning it's a better bet. Guess where they're ranked on FanDuel? Lay it on me. 16th. They were 10th on Bet Online. They're 16th on FanDuel, and you can get them at plus 5,000 on FanDuel. Everybody you just named is ahead of them on FanDuel, but they also put Texas A&M ahead of Tennessee. They put Clemson ahead of Tennessee. They put USC ahead of Tennessee. They put Oklahoma ahead of Tennessee. And Tennessee shares odds with Washington, Missouri, but with Washington and Missouri. Guys, jump all in on Tennessee plus 5,000 on FanDuel. I'm not saying they'll win it. But you're not going to get a better bet on futures odds than Tennessee on FanDuel right now. No, and um, I the, the fact that Tennessee's in the discussion says something, obviously. Um, so I think they're being disrespected. Disrespected, really, at 5,000? or Well, maybe not disrespected, maybe treated with a little bit of ignorance. Because yes, Vegas doesn't are. disrespect. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they just don't. There's no way to know. The program one to eighty-five. I will tell you this: somebody told me what Vegas is doing nowadays is they're utilizing administrative staffers at various schools, so they're willing to pay them to get a little bit of information. And you remember when the Cooper Mays number moved? Why did it move? I think there are spies at almost every major school right now that are feeding information, but that's a whole different story. Um, so, where would you have put Tennessee? Plus 2,500, plus 5,000, plus 1,000. I think plus 2,500 seems about right to me. I'm going plus 1,000. I would have gone plus 1,000. I've got Tennessee. Uh, Again, at the top, you always put Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State ahead of the rest of the field because in just terms of raw talent, every year, those three schools have more talent than every other school. Right, Dave? You would agree with me on that, right? Yes. Yeah. So you always do Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State at the top. And then you bet, like, who... Like, honestly, you should just bet the field versus one of those three teams, and you're usually more often than not are better off with one of those three teams, even with Ryan Day coaching Ohio State. But right after that, look, man, I'm I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not so sure Tennessee shouldn't be in the same range as Michigan and Texas next year. Mich- I, I just – this team is loaded. The schedule is very favorable. And in a 12-team playoff, I mean, we're talking – The fact that Ole Miss has better odds in Tennessee, I'm sorry. I don't care who they added. Tennessee, they gun to your head. you you got to bet a mortgage. One team's going to be better next year. Who's going to be better, Ole Miss or Tennessee? Yep. Uh, I I would bet Tennessee. uh, Ole Miss, to me, sounds like if you're going to gamble on them, you might as well just go get in my way while I'm trying to pay for gas at the convenience store and buy a lottery ticket. Because every year, they're going to try to put together all these transfer portal guys and hope it works. And one year it might work, and they might win 
10 or 11 games like they've done another year, it might be six wins, Caleb. So to me, I would just just go down to your local convenience store, your local IGA, because I have no idea. I would not be stunned if at some point Lane Kiffin did put together a serious national championship run. I would also not be stunned if he got fired after stumbling for two or three years. But I think he's grown as a coach. But I agree. I think Tennessee was set on the message board. Um, it was, I thought it was a, a good line. Travis says, Ole Miss is a sexy bet. It is a sexy bet. And but speaking yeah. of sexy, um, uh, the uh, the images of Lane Kiffin's girlfriend. <laughs> I know I was going to. You said Lane Kiffin's grown as a coach, but uh, the women he's interested in have not grown. Uh, he he's got a pretty pretty. He, I think I think he's got an age maximum, doesn't he? No, I think they're getting ready uh, for prom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is it? Um, you're too old to get the kids menu. Like Lane Kiffin's like too old. You're too old to date me. Sorry. Um, but yes, I think that I think that Tennessee on FanDuel plus five thousand is just at sixteenth. Yeah, Vegas isn't disrespecting Tennessee. I don't know what they're missing, though, because this is just – how could they be that level of ignorant? You know what? A part of me thinks they're looking at Nico's stat line in the Citrus Bowl without watching the game and not realizing, Dave, that he was so much better than his stat line showed in the Citrus Bowl. Right, which if you're Vegas, that's basically the most you can do immediately. I mean, all of these are – technically, all of these are bad bets, if you ask betters. Nobody bets a long term, so they just want to get as many people – as as possible on board. I, I would wonder, do you know this, what Tennessee's SEC odds are? Those aren't out yet, I believe. And But you can just go based on this. Uh, who all's in the SEC next year? Georgia, Alabama, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, um, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. They're tied with Missouri for eighth among SEC teams on the national title odds. Now, let's be fair. Because of the 12-team playoff and because of the fact that so many at-large teams will get in, you could be lower among SEC teams on national title odds than you could be on SEC title odds because SEC title odds are going to be based on just your strength of schedule in the SEC because the SEC is not going to take that into account. So Tennessee's got a much better shot of winning the SEC next year than, say, Florida, not just because of talent, but because Florida's got the most brutal schedule I've ever seen for an SEC slate. And Greg Sinke's lying to us and is going to tell us that every single win in the SEC means the same thing next year. No, it doesn't. Not in a free division. Florida's gone from being one of the best programs of my generation to feeling like a diabetic foot that needs to be lopped off. Um, Maybe that's too graphic, but, man, it just seems like they've slipped both on their end and their – and the way they're viewed nationally and in the Southeast, we'll see what happens with that. So how many schools, I'm going to put this on you, Caleb, how many schools should have better odds than Tennessee to win a national championship? And go ahead and fill in the message boards as well. Let's get your thoughts. And it's brought to you by our friend Don Self. Customer service still matters. Everybody's shopping for prices, but Don Self, with over 40 years of experience, has built their business and reputation on taking care of their customers. He is your State Farm agent in the greater Chattanooga area. Call 423-396-2126. Go to donself.net, donself.net. It's right below. Support our sponsors. That's why we're here. What schools can argue it's a fact have a better chance of winning a national championship than Tennessee this year? You mean next year? Because this year is not over technically. But, yes. I mean, it's 
I, I get in recruiting calendar yes. stuff with national. Science. I, I, you probably heard me reference 2023 as 2024 several times last year. Go ahead. So only four Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio state. They have better odds than everybody every year and they should. And I'll give you Michigan because Michigan, I think is going to win the national title this year. You think they are too. And they probably have a decent factory of talent coming in and out now. Nobody else. Nobody other tool, other schools can maybe be tied with Tennessee and odds. Nobody else should have better odds in Tennessee next year. I got Tennessee in my top five of odds. Guys, I'm really high on Tennessee next year. And Dave can vouch. I've been high on Tennessee for next year since the beginning of last year. And Josh Heupel is very high and is staking everything on 2024 for Tennessee. Yep. No, I completely agree with that. So uh, Sean says Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, then Tennessee. I think the common theme with Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, and to some extent, Oregon, I, I, th- I think those guys can still, they can overcome a key injury or two. I don't know that Tennessee can still can still do that. I mean, if, if Bruce McCoy comes back 100% and he's the guy that dictates coverage and he gets hurt again, I, I think Ohio State has that type of guy to plug in. I don't think that Tennessee has that type of guy to plug in. Cooper Mays. I, I agree. Good. I agree. And that's where Michigan is on the list too. I think Michigan is at the point as a program now where they can plug guys in if someone goes down. Um, It is debatable if Oregon can, because Oregon does depend heavily on their quarterback, whoever it is at the time, but you know, we'll just have to see how that goes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, so let's uh, move forward here. Tennessee's got some news, and they've had a run of good news lately in the transfer portal. Uh, This latest bit of good news, or bad news, is uh is a little bit surprising to me. Gabe Judy Lolly, and we know D. Williams was going to go anyway because of a stupid rule that's in place that I want to get into. But let's start with Gabe Judy Lolly as uh, Vol Transfer Portal coverage brought to you by our friends at Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han enjoy life when you see better. How about that? Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. CCTIs.com. CCTIs.com. I was surprised by Gabe Judy Lolly. Were you? I was. I was genuinely shocked. And um, he uh, was a very reliable utility cornerback all of last year. Look, I'm going to say this for Gabe Judy Lolly. Maybe he's just trying his hand at the draft. Doesn't Gabe Judy Lolly seem like the type of kid that, like, he graduated with his degree. He's going to focus on a career that he got his degree in. But, you know, he's given the NFL draft a shot just to see if it works. Doesn't that t- kind of see doesn't, doesn't Gabe Judy Lally strike you as that type of guy? Yeah, kind of like Josh Dobbs. Exactly. I, mean, I, like I, didn't, Josh Dobbs. I didn't think Josh Dobbs would stick, to be honest with you. I thought he'd play three years in the NFL and then he'd be a rocket scientist. But it turns out he's stuck. But yeah, it feels like that to a lesser extent. I think it's a I think t- this is Tennessee running out of money. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. And I think he was probably in negotiations to try to get that money. And when he couldn't, um, he decided to move on. It's a hard guy to place value on 
I love these guys, and I love Gabe Judy Lawley, and I, I hate for Tennessee's sake that he's leaving. I remember his quote that just rang so true when he came out and he said, uh, I don't even care if I start. I'm paraphrasing. I don't care if I start. I just want to help and take this program to the next level. I thought that was amazing. And utility, does Tennessee have anybody that's more versatile versatile, and, and the ability to play nickel corner or safety? They, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. They, maybe they're banking on that MTSU transfer, Jacoby Thomas, to be able to do that. But they might also just be locking him in at transfer now, particularly with Wesley Walker was the other guy, but he's at the portal now too. And look, it, it's you wonder, Dave, if the coaches are just that high on the young talent at defensive back right now. Maybe do you? I, look, I don't know. I thought he looked horrible against Georgia, but hey. Andre turned. Uh, who I'm about to name, Andre Turrentine. But Andre Turrentine did seem like something clicked against Iowa. Now, was it because he played Iowa, or do you think something clicked? Like, that's a real debate. I think it's because he played Iowa. (laughs) I Um, think so, too, but... Yeah, I mean, I think think it's because he played Iowa. And the the other thing about uh, Gabe Judy Lawley that's, um, I I think, tough to replace is, is that leadership. Who's the leader in the secondary? Just in the room in the locker room because I because Willie Martinez as a coach doesn't strike me as the fire and brimstone type of leader that is is going to uh to get your guys up and that sort of thing I I just who's the leader right now going into 2024 who's the leader in that secondary the three leaders of that go. unit last year were Gabe Judulali Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough and all three are gone now so it's uh I just saw it on the message board. I was about to say it. What if it's Boo Carter? What if he steps in as a freshman and is just ready to take over? Ready for my prediction? Yep. I haven't made you. I haven't made you this big of a prediction since. Um, gosh, I guess Nico. Um, when I told you he was real, I'm messing with my lighting here. For those on the YouTube channel, hit like and subscribe. Um, I, I think. I think he starts day one. I think he starts strong safety day one. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think Boo Carter starts at day one. I'm thinking there might be some like, do you think there's Eric Berry level readiness for him? Whoa. I mean, that's that's a big one. Not uh, Eric Berry uh, potential, but Eric because Eric Berry was ready to start day one and, and John Chavis and Larry Slade decided, let's start Gerard Parrish over him against Cal. Still one of the worst decisions ever made in the history of personnel decisions in Tennessee football. Like that's worse than Joe Milton over Hinden Hooker, honestly. Um yeah. But, what Rocky Tom is uh, posting the message board, Boo is apparently already impressing the coaching staff massively. Yeah, I've been told that as well, uh, repeatedly. And Dylan's saying Turrentine needs to take the leadership role since he's the veteran. Now, I would agree, but you're, you're kind of either born with that or you're not. And Dylan, I hope you get to feeling better. Um, so Dylan's been a little bit under the weather. I was on the message board earlier this morning. I'm going to be on earlier from time to time, get your thoughts on Uh, the direction of the show and what you want to talk about. Uh, But now the deep here's, here's my issue that I have with the NCAA and uh, it's a reoccurring issue is they're they're still stupid. Uh, That's the issue because here's the deal with this uh, D Williams. He played in 2020. You're supposed to have an extra year of eligibility unless you're a Juco player. So the COVID year is not applicable. Why? So that doesn't count. So if you play JUCO, it doesn't 
it it it's the COVID exception is not applicable. Right. I didn't know that until I, I just dug either. into that. That is ridiculous. What the that hell is kind so of ridiculous. excuse my language? What kind of stupid, absolutely stupid rule is that? So the guys that are working their hardest to get through junior college that has a weight room that's complete trash. You have no facilities, but you're working your way up because maybe you didn't get the grades or whatever. And you work your way up and you don't get your extra year because of COVID. Really? Do you think he could have appealed that maybe and tried to fight it? Well, it, I don't know. He, he may have been ready to go. I don't know. His maybe, grades. But that's the thing. Maybe it was like he decided he's a it wasn't a college player and I don't know his grades. Maybe he's not a school guy. Maybe it, or it could have been, yeah, it's just not worth the fight. Like you covered the Dante Stallworth thing, which was again the NCAA not looking out for a player at all, who had a dinner with an agent like what one time, right? Didn't even make a yes. decision. And and the NCAA says you got, and I, I think Stallworth wanted to consider appealing that, but just why, didn't want to go through all the fight. Was like it might, might as well focus on the draft now that I've done it. Well, then he ended up um he got a four game suspension, right? And they said he come could come back for that. No, I think he, he just decided. No, he, they they let they told him he could have a four game suspension, which was still stupid, which didn't make oh, any so sense. Stupid. So yes. now uh, NCAA is uh, being pushed out of college football, which sounds weird, but I think it's great. Hit like and subscribe. Guess what, kids? Josh Ward will join us next, and uh, we'll get a uh, get his thoughts on Gabe Judy Lolly and D Williams. Well, plus Josh has the list of players that performed in the Citrus Bowl at such a high level, they can be expected to be uh, superstars. And I think that might uh, happen very soon. So Joshua, the piece on offthehooksports.com. So if you had to predict right now, who is Tennessee's starting five, because we include the nickel um, in, in Tennessee secondary. Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson at cornerbacks. Um, Boo Carter at strong safety. I'm going to go uh, Jacoby Thomas, the MTSU transfer at free safety. And I might say they move Andre Tarantino over to nickel. I'm going to, that that's, that's going to be my, my guess, but we'll see. I, I still haven't seen enough to believe in Andre Tarantino. I'll say that. Lee, could you not get something together for Gabe Judy Lawley? Could you not get something? I think Tennessee was caught in the perfect storm where they built themselves as an NILU and they had to pay their guys like Cooper and Brew and Keenan Pilly to stay around, and they didn't have money to spend more in the transfer portal. Josh Ward will join us next. We love him. His appearance is brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. So, Josh, give me two minutes. Poor clock management on my part as I see you in the queue. We love visiting with Josh. Hang tight. Hit that like and subscribe button. And if you turned your notifications on, we appreciate that. And coming up, a... Uh, Former Vol who's going through a really tough time. And I want to encourage you to uh, help him out. So we'll get to that. Uh, let's get to Josh Ward in two minutes. Stay tuned. Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker, off the sports. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. 
Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, tennis evolved collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, I got you. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Somebody cracking me up on the message board. They're saying... Somebody needs to get Tyree West a new number 42. Looks goofy. It does. It looks like he's an obese Ronnie Lott. <laughs> it just doesn't look, doesn't, it doesn't look right. Josh Ward joins us now. We absolutely love him, and he's got a fantastic piece on offthehooksports.com that uh, takes a look at the players that Nico will be able to pin on based off their play uh, against uh, Iowa. First of all, Josh, just let me get your thoughts. How are you? I'm good. Hope you guys are. Never better. Uh, Listen to you uh, doing a little uh, Twitter space last night. It was a fantastic job as always. Now, Josh, as as far as Tennessee's play against Iowa, you were going to judge the the, the players, the support players on offense that were, were going to be able to help Nico into the future. But you have to kind of go into that in some sense, with a uh, a notion that I was pretty good defensively. So as you went into that project, what was kind of your parameters of the guys that could have the biggest impact into the future? Well, I started just knowing who's going to have an opportunity immediately. And that's why I started the piece with Dylan Sampson, because he was taking over the starting running back role at the same time that Nico was taking over the QB1 role, and they were kind of doing it together. Dylan's older. He's played a lot more, of course. But I wanted to see how does he handle a big workload? How big of a workload does Tennessee give him? And it ended up being a big one, 20 carries. He continued to show the playmaking ability. 
He made a great play where he could have been taken down around the line of scrimmage, was able to escape, get to his left, and picked up seven or eight yards on the play. His ability to escape, his ability to hit big plays, Samson's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, he can do a lot in this offense. And I know wearing number six and with his burst, there's the Alvin Kamara comparison. If you want to make that, that's fine. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if, how fair that is considering we've seen Kamara play at an elite level in the NFL, but for Tennessee and the offense, I get it because he has special playmaking ability and can he can be dangerous in the red zone, just like Nico showed that he could be running for three touchdowns the other day. And that combination gives us an idea of what Tennessee will try to do starting out in 2024. Josh's appearance on Thursdays, along with Ron Slays, is brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Imagine having the best spas made right here in the U.S. in your backyard. That's in Athens. Their showroom is there, and they deliver. If you're in Knoxville, Chattanooga, get there and get a Dynasty Pool and Spa. It's just absolutely phenomenal. They've got all the best chemicals in the world for your pools, pools, and your spas. Uh, so you've got to check out Dynasty Pools and Spas. They are awesome. All right, uh, Caleb Calhoun, before we get to four downs, brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas, what would you like to ask Mr. Ward? Josh, yeah, before we get to four downs, were you concerned about the fact at all that, um, and part of this had to do with Samson, because I think you and I could have whipped a block from Samson, um, because he's the worst pass blocker I think I've seen in the history of mankind. Um, Josh, see the comments in the chat, by the way. Yeah, he needs to be better. For anybody that wondered why doesn't he play more during the season when Jalen Wright and Jabari Small Played so much, and nobody should be wondering why Jalen Wright played as much as he did. The question would be, should he have played more? He averaged more than seven yards of carry and hit 1,000 yards. But the answer for Samson would be concerned with his pass protection. Right. And so I would where I was getting with that was – now part of this was they had a makeshift offensive line out there that won't be there next year. But were you concerned about the number of hits Nico took in the game? Because I – you know, Dave and I had a debate yesterday, should Nico start it all year? And I'm thinking if Nico took that many hits – Every game, he wouldn't have been playing by week five of this season because it just seemed like he got hit a lot against Iowa. Yeah, I mean, the box score shows 15 hits just on sacks and carries and then other plays where he's hit in, uh, in past plays. That was a concern during the regular season. Whether it was justified or not, it was, and it's not difficult to explain why that was a concern. So that'll be one of the biggest talking points of the offseason. We talk about uh, negative what-if scenarios. What if Nico gets hurt? Because it could absolutely happen. Then Tennessee season goes in a bad direction, most likely. So protecting him and doing everything they can to have him the entire season will be high on the priority list. Yep. Um, and then somebody referring to Tyree, Re- Tyree West as Ronnie whole lot. So it's because he's big, Josh. You get that? Oh, is that what it meant? Judge, judge, smile. A whole lot of laughs out of that one. Yeah, well, I, whatever. <laughs> You've gotten so used to my corny jokes that you don't laugh at them, but I see you smile and you're giggling on the inside. That's pretty good. Um, Ronnie Lott's one of those names, by the way, that needs to be brought up more because too much time has passed since he plays, and he is an all-timer, no matter the generation. So we're, we're passing now too many generations where we have to talk about players that were something that the younger, the youth, they need to know about. Well, I mean, you do know Ronnie Lott and I have something in common, right? You do it? What is do it? you? Okay. Uh, we're, we're both missing a digit. 
He had a he had a pinky uh, finger taken off so he could continue to uh, uh, compete in the playoffs one year. And uh, I thought it would be wise to attack a lawnmower. So it wasn't. So I'm missing a pinky toe. He's missing a pinky finger, Josh, which is which is worse to live without. Well, the pinky toe is a valuable appendage. No, it's not. Uh, it's it's really not. I've never ever missed it in my life. <laughs> the pinky finger, everybody's gonna ask about. All right, let's get to four downs right now. Now brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas off those boards. That's the wrong sounder. Let's try that again. What am I doing? And Coop, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Beautiful. Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs presented by Off the Hook Sports. All right, we'll visit with Cooper Mays later today. That'll be on the page, so make sure you have your notifications on. If you hit like and subscribe, we're looking forward to that. Uh, and Jacob Warren very soon. Now, what down is it there, Coop? Coop here. First down. Oh, yeah. All right. We talked about Dylan Sampson quite a bit. Uh, do you get any feel from people you talk to that his lack of uh, pass protection is an effort thing or is it a technique thing? Usually it's an effort thing, but I want to get your thoughts on anything you might have heard. Well, I think it's fair to wonder about effort behind the scenes and what we don't see, practice, workouts, time on your own to improve. One thing that doesn't help Dylan Sampson is he's not very big. And when you're taking on uh, big guys that you have to block, it's going to be more challenging at his size. But, uh, yeah, how much work has gone into becoming a better pass protector I don't know, but he needs to be better in 2024. What we know is that coaching staff still believes he's the next guy up. They gave him that opportunity against an Iowa defense that they had a lot of respect for going in, and they knew that they would try to hit Nico and ended up doing that. But Tennessee staff said, we're going to play Dylan a lot. Now the other options were freshmen, I recognize. But how much does that change next year? Uh, Cameron Selden is a player that we'll talk about a lot this offseason and how big of a role he can play, but – uh, Samson needs to get better because he's going to play a lot and will go in as the top guy at running back in the upcoming season. All righty, let's go to second down as we jump in the hot tub with Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays here, second down. What do you got, Caleb? John, uh, John, listen to me. Sorry, Josh, I apologize. So John many, Adams, who you may have heard of. Yes. Um, or John Ward. Uh, or John Ward, that's true. Um, um, Josh... I hate to sound like I'm the consistent negative Nancy of Tennessee's running backs today, but mm -hmm. I know you talked about Cam Seldon looking solid. What did you make of his horrible vision though? There was a third and one that he had a clear first down where he took a, he took an angle that Trent Richardson probably could have taken that, that, that looked like the angle Trent Richardson took with the Raiders in that one NFL meme. You know, the one I'm talking about. Um, that's so bad. Uh, is there a concern with Cam Seldon's vision long-term because of that? <laughs> Cause it was bad. Maybe so. I think you're uh, you're the vision judge of running backs. We, we've had running back vision conversations here the last few weeks. Um, so part of my thought with Selden is in high school, how much between the tackles go pick up yardage opportunities did he have versus he was an open field guy. He's still learning the running back position. What I trust is that Selden is 
is a high level athlete. He has really good size. You don't make too many or you don't find too many athletes that are 220 plus pounds that can run the way that he does. But, uh, hey, go get us a yard. That's something that he's still probably learning about, that there's time to dance to try to make guys miss and get a big uh, gain versus just get us to the next down. And that's probably something that he has to learn. So uh, his vision, I don't know. We have It's the first time we've really seen him play meaningful snaps at the position all season long. But uh, I, I say when I say solid, I, I feel comfortable saying that with his performance because he showed that he can play uh, in the SEC, I believe. Now, can he become what they hoped when they signed him as an elite player in the SEC? That's obviously to be determined. Well, let me ask you this because you were pretty high on him in the offseason. I was a little hesitant because I've seen guys have good springs and not have a not be a factor in the fall. What did you think of the, the fact that he wasn't a factor as much in the fall? Were you surprised? Well, if I knew that all three guys would stay completely healthy all season, I wouldn't have expected him to get much of an opportunity. I, I thought that at some point that would come because of the position that he plays, but it uh, did not. Uh, also, Samson, the way that he played in the opener, scoring four touchdowns, kind of established himself as one of the top three because I think that might have still been in question if he didn't have success. But he did, and there was no question about who the top three guys would be. So, no, I, I didn't think anything of – Selden's lack of opportunity in the regular season. He got a big opportunity in terms of carries and workload in the bowl game. And I think he'll get more of that in 2024. Yeah. Derek says kind of like a Tony Pollard. I kind of like that comparison even more than Alvin Kamara, who I think is a little bit more of a stout, stronger runner, but I do like that. Yeah. Kamara. I don't think uh, a lot of people recognize how big he is. I mean, he's a legit 215 pounds. Uh, Kamara's the real deal. So uh, it's just it's unfair for almost anybody to be compared to what he is at his size, sneaky big with elite uh, elusive ability and ability to catch the football. At Tennessee, he showed what kind of receiver he was. We talk about his lack of usage, not in the pass game. He was heavily involved as a pass catcher, and we saw everything come together in New Orleans. Where are I mean, we I'd going? Be willing to bet if you if, if you ahead. stand in an elevator at a Las Vegas casino, you probably know how big Alvin Kamara is. <laughs> Oh man! You see what I, do I mean, this is brutal. I, by the way, Josh, congratulations! You're going to be on the Tri Cities as well. So uh, pass yeah, that thanks. on before you get the third down. Yeah, six forty a.m. The Sports Monster up in the Tri Cities area. Big Tennessee fans up in that area, so we're excited that starting on Monday, we'll simulcast Monday through Friday, twelve to three. Yeah, I'm sure they'll appreciate that because uh, they've been used to carrying Eric Ainge. You don't know what he's going to say. This is my second time to replace Jim Rome. Not taking any any shots here. He's obviously had tremendous success, but in East Tennessee, it has not worked. And with the sports animal back in 08, had a chance to be a part of the local show to replace Jim Rome. And now we'll get a chance to do that up in the Tri-City. So hopefully a lot of people will be able to tune in and catch more Tennessee talk. Before we get to those wide receivers, can you say, rack them, Jim Rome style for me? I cannot. Please. No, I did. What what do they call it? Um, the sm- not smack off. Is that right? Yeah, they do it at the end of every year. It's the worst show in the history of radio. <laughs> it's it's so so weird and wild. So if you're into that, it's it's quite a show. If you're not, then the same applies. Yeah, if you're into cocaine, I hear it's fun, but I'm not into that. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. <laughs> okay, what do you got for third down, Caleb? Josh, you you mentioned the receivers. Um, 
it could it, and you mentioned squirrel white caleb webb and chas nimrod but can we really glean anything into the game because it seemed like they schemed most of the passing game around ramel keaton who didn't really have a great final game at tennessee because of the drop in the missed touchdown pass but given that he's gone and given the fact that you got so many receivers coming in plus rue mccoy coming back how much can we glean from what we saw in the citrus bowl with this, the receivers yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the conversation around the position is about Brew coming back, Brazel coming in from Tulane as a transfer, and what kind of opportunity the freshman might have. Dante Thornton, when he comes back from injury, better recognize he's not going to be given the same opportunity he was as a transfer coming in from Morgan. There's more competition, even if he's going to play on the outside. And for Nimrod and Webb, we'll see. Uh, they're, I think their potential is good, but the the entire room, I'm, I think we're talking about potential, not what's proven. There are reasons to be excited about Brazel coming in from Tulane. There are reasons to be excited about Brew coming back. All of this matters. To me, it's more about can they get to what the ceiling is. The ceiling looks pretty high, but what impact can Mike Matthews make as a true freshman, highly touted? He and Staley have eight and a half months to get ready from arriving during bowl practice to the start of the season at the end of August. So they have a lot of time. Will they get a big opportunity? I don't know. Where's Brew McCoy coming back from his injury? We know that he's a, a tough guy that you can count on. And I think him bringing the leadership back to the room really matters because they need to push each other this offseason to all become better. They have good athletes in the room. They have more depth than this past season. But nobody's really proven that he's ready to go become an all-SEC level wide receiver. All righty, and lastly, it is fourth down. All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. All right, who else? Tight ends? Any? Did you see anybody else that maybe we, especially the tight ends, that maybe we haven't discussed at this point? I mean, I saw more shots of Holden Stace on the sideline than uh, <laughs> Ethan Davis. So, <laughs> the, no, no. Yeah, the Notre Dame transfer, for those that don't know, the tight end, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was there on the sideline wearing his his jersey, which is great. And he was an important pickup. But again, that we'll see what kind of impact he makes. The offense is going to be different. So no, I, I have no idea. I mean, no idea. Yeah, I was like, look at that Holden guy, man. He's able to catch those warm-up passes from Nico. That guy's amazing. Yeah, we'll see. Uh I no joke, the Ethan Davis catch in the orange and white game from Nico is a play that a lot of us have referenced because the throw by Nico was an example of the kind of skill he has. And he, he made another great throw to the sideline on the run that Ramel Keaton came down with in the bowl game. But we saw Ethan Davis make that play in the spring game, but that's really the last we've seen of Ethan Davis. Yep, very true. I want to talk Tennessee's uh, quarterback situation, the anticipation and the excitement, but first Josh, retweeted something and i retweeted it as well uh tell you a quick story if you can uh tune in perk your ears up for a second i won't i won't take long but i remember having a young josh ward and a young zach turn over to my house for dinner because uh zach was great to work with you may remember him he was a guy that got in on a lot of games towards the end and people would cheer probably because he's caucasian but he was just also a really good dude josh was a really good dude we played video games it was neat and I remember he, he shared with us the fact that his his wife was uh, pregnant at, at that day. And well, now his wife is uh, facing an, just an incredible challenge. Um, and we've got that right now on our YouTube page. Uh, she has cancer. 
and I don't want to get into the prognosis, but they could use your help. So I know that, and we certainly appreciate it. People donate to our channel all the time, and that's great. But for the foreseeable future, the link's right below. Give any money you would give to me, and YouTube takes a lot of it. But just give it to give it to Zach. Give it to Zach and Julie because um, they're facing a really tough situation, full family, young kids. Um, Zach's just – he was just a great dude. I still remember that day, Josh, of just – it was just neat kind of being around a guy that that let his guard down because players always had their guard up around media guys like us. Yeah, Zach was awesome. Uh, having him come work at the radio station for a little bit and getting to know him that way. And we've been able to stay in touch over the years since he's moved back to North Carolina. So he came to Tennessee from North Carolina where he played basketball. He's gone back and coached over there and has taught. And he, he was there during the Ron Slay years and – all those guys love Zach and uh, yeah, just w wish the best for his family. Anybody that can give whatever you can give can help a family that's in need. They have uh, three children and uh, she has a tough fight on her hands. So uh, all the prayers for Zach and his family and all the support that we can give them. He's a, he's a VFL. He's continued to follow and love the University of Tennessee. So uh, when we talk about VFLs and we've seen it so many times, fans, reaching out, giving back, doing what they can to help one of their own. Zach Turner is one of their own. Okay, that link is right below. So it's at about 5000 of a $30,000 target. Can we get it to 30000 Thanks to a little help from Off the Hook Sports, I would certainly hope so. So let's, let's try to do that. All right, Josh, I'm going to change gears on you. It was our poll question of the day. And, of course, it involves Tennessee's quarterback, Nico. Maybe you've heard of him. So this was my question that I posed on the message board with Nico taking the reins. When have you last been this excited about the ball starting quarterback? Josh Dobbs, 29%, Tyler Bray, 2%, Peyton Manning, 40%, never been this excited, 29%. What do you make of that group? from the outside of other people's opinions, Dave, I, th I think there can only be two choices from what I see. And that's either Peyton or never. Because uh, unfortunately it's been more than 25 years since Peyton was even playing at Tennessee. So there's a, a fair percentage of the fan base that didn't get a chance to be excited about Peyton. There might be some fans that were excited about Peyton that are even more excited about Nico, but the Nico hype and the buildup and the excitement that I already see is greater than what it was for Dobbs and for Tyler Bray. And I'm not sure it's comparable, the two. I, I think there's some revisionist history in how people felt about Dobbs after the fact. So uh, I, the, the Nico hype, the excitement, the buildup, it is a lot. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. If you're fired up, if you're changing your expectations, that's kind of what college football is all about. But I, I think – Nico is more comparable to Peyton than anybody since them. And uh, before that, I'm not even sure what you would say. So I, th I think that's the, I think that's the class that Nico is in, in terms of the talk, the hype, the buildup. Now we included two quarterbacks or we didn't include them because you only have so much space on the YouTube poll, but there were two that I didn't include that Caleb suggested at our 345 AM meeting. And here's why uh, Eric Ainge and Casey Clawson will, 
I think that Clawson was a little bit of an unknown. Um, it, certainly people were excited to, to, to have him at Tennessee. And then with Ainge, there was the competition with Schaefer, and some people were Schaefer guys. So that's why I didn't include them. I think it's – I don't even think it's arguable. I think it's never. And the reason I say never is because, Josh, you really had to be a hardcore football fan to know – I know this sounds crazy, but to know Peyton Manning was signing with UT back back then. I mean, recruiting yeah. wasn't covered like that in the early nineties. I think it has to be never. Yeah, if, uh, yeah, that's a fair point. If you include, and I have another one too. If you include the internet age, yeah, it's not. Uh, there is no comparison. Uh, what we have now versus then. I agree with you on the Angel Schaefer. There was a split, and the, and. It was more about, okay, hey, that's cool. We have freshmen that are starting, but they didn't compare to the Nico hype and buildup. Same with T, same with Casey. There was this excitement about the uh, the quarterback coming in from California, but also there was the 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 dual quarterback aspect with Angel Schaefer, with Rattay and Clawson when he arrived, and Casey quickly beat him out and Rattay left almost immediately. And then even with Peyton, Dave, that first year in 94, it was not unanimous on Peyton's side. There was a lot of Brandon Stewart believers that, hey, this is the guy with his athleticism and what he would be able to do. Obviously, that changed as time went on. So it, part of it depends on the timeline you're choosing. And when once you were fully on board with Peyton, yeah, the, the buildup was quick. But uh, it's, it's immediate with Nico. He doesn't have any other quarterback that he's competing with in this conversation. And I don't think the other quarterbacks in the last 20 years at least – are comparable to Nico with the amount of excitement the fan base has before he really even gets started. Okay, I'll jump in here, but it feels like with Clawson, Manning, Ainge, all those, it's like a, well, we'll see. Whereas what we've heard from reports out of practice with Nico and the way he played against Iowa, it's like almost a proven commodity. Maybe not fair, maybe ahead of ourselves, but it almost, it feels different than those other guys. Okay, let me reroute this. Let's compare not them coming in. What about Nico compared to, because this is technically, he just finished his first year. He has started a game now against Iowa. Can we compare it to Peyton Manning going into his sophomore year or Casey Clawson going into his sophomore year? Because they both did finish the previous season and they both finished really strong. I mean, Casey had an epic game-winning drive at South Carolina. Peyton Manning won six to seven games to close out his freshman year. So, does the hype, do you think the hype for Nico with just one start still supersedes the hype for Peyton entering his sophomore year in 95 when he was, we knew he was going to be the guy at that point? Or Casey entering his sophomore year in 01? Um, I think if you, re- Josh, you go. Sorry. I'm- well, I would say yes to Casey. This is no knock on Casey. I love Casey. I, I still think he's underrated in what he was as a quarterback in terms of the hype and fans being all about him. Yeah, Nico is ahead of Casey. Peyton's you know, more comparable. Peyton finished with the the bowl win, and you, know, you had that to carry into the offseason just like Nico. But, I mean, Nico, Nico is getting a ton of, hey, we're going to the playoff talk. And, and it's a playoff now. It's not there, – there was no 12-team playoff to talk about 94 into 95. That's another reason it's difficult to make the comparison. But I don't think Nico takes a back seat to anybody when it comes to hype. I mean, that's going to apply to – a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of programs. It's just, it's wild. But um, that's that's why this is special in terms of the potential that is there. Because if he can come close to matching what the hype is, 
then the next couple of years are going to be a lot of fun for Tennessee fans. So uh, it, it it might be about equal. Like, um, you know, you, you, you adjust for inflation. If you adjust for the internet and social media, I think it's very comparable, Nico and Peyton. But I just, with what I'm watching right now and what I think is going to happen over the next eight months, I don't think Nico's taking a backseat to anybody when it comes to hype and excitement. All right, so let's just say it. Is this the most highly anticipated player in the history of Tennessee football? Uh, he is up there with anybody. Yes. Man, I can't. Um, because of the like, internet. Yeah, like from a internet recruiting age. ranking standpoint, the amount of coverage that he's getting, and then you factor in modern-day stuff, NIL, he has apparel that goes out right after the game, and fans are probably going to flock to it. Uh, when he sets up for autograph sessions, they're going to be crazy lines. So he just – I don't think he, I don't think he has to look up at any list of Tennessee players when it comes to hype. That's not to say that he's going to be Peyton. Peyton's track record speaks for itself, and it, and that's why I'm I'm looking at this as an anticipation thing because by the time Peyton was done, everybody knows how beloved he was. Fans became Colts fans just because he was going there. Tennessee fans were crying when he didn't win the Heisman Trophy. So what Peyton did speaks for itself. But the anticipation of 2024 compared to Going into 1995, I think Nico's right up there. So Thank you, Josh. Uh, well, go ahead, Galen. Can we go broader? Because I agree with you guys. One, not just Nico's greatness, because I've said for a while, Josh, that he's if you could design a quarterback in a lab for this offensive-friendly system that Josh Hyper runs, it's Nico. Can, can we go broader? Could we say he rivals the Tim Tebow hype at Florida entering 2007? I would say that. Yeah, that's, that's what it's like, uh, because that is closer to this time. But – Tebow going into his second year at Florida and what he could become. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. Trevor Lawrence would be tough because he already won a national title his freshman season. So there, there, yeah, there was crazy anticipation for what he would do, but he did it immediately. Even Sean so, uh, Yeah, Tebow's probably Tebow had a bigger impact as a freshman, but uh, yeah, that's comparable in terms of just kind of over the top, the over the top aspect to it. What about Bryce Young, as far as highly anticipated, I, I felt like. A lot of Alabama fans were just waiting for him to take over. Maybe that's one. I, I, yeah, he was just in. He was in such a long run. I mean, part of it is, I know that Hinden had his great run, but part of it is still the hunger among Tennessee fans to get back to the top. And Nico, I mean, it's still a line from Hinden. Nico's the chosen one. He's the chosen one for Tennessee to get back there. Bryce was the next one to do it for him, and he, they didn't win a title. He did win the Heisman, but Bryce was just he was next man up. They had had Jalen Hurts succeed. They had Tua succeed. They had Mac Jones succeed. Then it was Bryce Young's turn. Nico is the one to get Tennessee back to where Peyton had it. Then obviously T won the national title. Peyton won the SEC championship. But Peyton helped get Tennessee to that level where, okay, we're top three to five. We are a player for the national title. Nico is that guy to Tennessee fans to do it again. Josh, you're the man. Have a uh, blessed day and a fantastic weekend, sir. You got it. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Josh Ward of the Sports Animal. Love being joined by him. I don't know that there's – I think he's the most highly anticipated player in Tennessee football history, maybe even Tennessee athletics history, except for Ron Slay, who will join us next. How about that? Again, uh, four downs and Josh's appearance, Ron's appearance, brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. You got the weekend drive to Athens. 
take a look at some of these spas. You've got to do that, and then they'll deliver it to you. So you get it directly from the manufacturer, and they've got all kinds of incredible deals. So check it out. We got Ron Slay coming up next. We always love visiting with Ron Slay, reminding you that portions of the program are brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. Want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry? How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? Go to rickterryjewelry.com and their newly designed website and check it out. Rick Terry Jewelry Design. Two minutes, Ron Slay. Here we go. It's the Slay Ride. That's right. Stay tuned. Off those words. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. So at Tennessee Cider Company, Spot that played just a second ago. Well, they're giving you stuff just to try out their cider. Use the promo code HAT and get free swag with your next order. Cider delivered pretty much anywhere in the United States of America. Go to TNCiderCompany.com. That's TNCiderCompany.com. And our next guest is joined now. It's Ron Slay, the man. Brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Ron, you're looking... Looking dapper as always. <laughs> How you guys doing this morning, man? Good. Ron's so smooth. 
he could wear like a a, a, a hoodie and a toboggan to a wedding and nobody would say you're underdressed they'd be like just thanks for coming dude yeah you know what the cool thing is i would try it i probably would try to pull something like that off on on some occasion at some point in my life i would have tried yeah we did i think now that we think about it maybe there could be like a wedding singers too with me and ron starring i love that like i need to live by the the guy that's, that's in all these um um, the hangover and wedding crashes. I need the guy to, if he said, I, I want to be the background singer for him because I love listening to his songs. I watch the movies for his songs. Yeah. Here's the question who Who's more ripped if y'all sing shirtless? Who's more ripped? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm prepare. I don't know if Hook gonna prepare. Like, I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna prepare. For I, I need you some work about the holidays and football season. We're not great. I'm up about 13. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, so but I'm, I'm working on it. Um, Ron. Let me get your thoughts on this real quick, because you're in the Nashville area, and we were just talking about uh, Nico. I think he's the most highly anticipated Tennessee player ever. And I say that because Peyton Manning was highly anticipated, but recruiting wasn't covered like that back then. You really had to be a die-in-the-wool type of football fan to know that Peyton Manning was coming to Tennessee. Backstory, we all know it now, but it wasn't common knowledge Mm -hmm. at that time. I think Nico's it, and I don't even know that there's a close second. No, it's not. And I, I think you hear it. The, the funny thing is you don't just hear this from Tennessee fans. Like, you hear this from all of the, the talking heads uh, uh, across the nation, especially ones that cover the SEC. Like, they see it. They see, like, this guy has it. I think the the the, the wait-and-see moment is the guys that are going to be around him to help him, to help him reach his potential. I think when you look at what – um Peyton walking into a situation he was coming to a group where you know they were known for running the rock you know what I'm saying um you kind of had a foundation laid as far as a quarterback not not like that but you know you you had some you had some guys that could play quarterback before Peyton you know what I'm saying that this one Hendon and then it's a drop-off is you know outside of Dobbs you like you're looking like where are we going what are we going to do with this and then you get Nico and the splashes that you get you automatically see that he has it you see it from the field um, in, the, in the, the teaspoon size that you got of him playing. But I think what's incredible with him, man, is the way he carries himself. Like the man carries himself oh, yeah. like he's it. You know what I mean? And it's, But it's not a, a brash, cocky. It's a, like, oh, that's Nico. Like this is – he's doing what he's supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I heard you a minute ago talking about Bryce, Bryce Young – and that's what I was hearing about Bryce. I never got to see it until that um their their spring scrimmage. I was like, whoa, this dude may be a problem um for some time to come at Alabama. So I think that's that's the kind of feeling I get with Nico. Yep, I do too. Uh wanna wanna break down some basketball, but first, um a friend of mine, a, a former teammate of yours, um, Zach Turner is going through mm-hmm. a, a heck of a a challenge here with his uh, wife battling cancer. So we mentioned this earlier in the program. Don't worry about it. People donate to our channel all the time. We don't need that. His link is right below. So we want you just to donate to his GoFundMe page. Uh, we're going to get that thing to 30,000. It's about 5,000 now, but um, Ron, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you love Zach just like everybody did. He, he, he understood his role. He was fine <laughs> getting on the court. And when the fans would go crazy, it was so neat. Cause it meant you guys were blowing somebody out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, 
very fine young man who I had over to my house one time after his uh, career was over. And man, that's dope. You never invited me. You're welcome anytime. I thought you were too cool. (laughs) I'm the homeboy. That's what I am. I'm I'm always I'm like Kramer. Everybody, you know what I mean. I'm 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 freelancing everybody's house, especially from food involved. But hey, man, ZT thirty, that's my guy, man. Like he was a part of that that freshman bunch that came in that highly touted group that was recruited by Coach Green, uh, Coach Ferguson, so forth and so on. And hey, man, he was an intricate part of that. Like as much as people didn't get to see him play, unless it was a blowout in practice, like he had to take it. You know what I'm saying? Like I would beat up on Zach. Any opportunity, and um, you know, later on, Zach always reminds us that, um, dude, I was the only one still standing with you. Like when Higgs was ineligible, like I was the last one from that freshman group. Marcus Hayslip went on to the league. That's right. Harris Walker and Terrence Woods got released. John Higgins was ineligible. It was men ZT thirty man. <laughs> so um, that's my guy, man. Like and, and Zach is a, a humble guy. Doesn't ask for a lot, um, but so too. To reach out to Vol Nation in this fashion, man, it's it's always um good to know that you know he trusts that, you know what I mean, and 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 expect the um the 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 blood, sweat, and tears that he gave for Vol Nation um and for it to come back the way it is. And I think thirty thousand is a small fee, you know what I'm saying, to show your support. Um in, in anything it is, man. I, I promise you it don't it won't fall on deaf ears like this will be. Truly, truly, truly um, thanked, thankful um, up there in Charlotte. So, Amen. Portions of the program brought to you by Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow them on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. Go to Facebook, Sports Treasures TN, Sports Treasures TN. The daily updates are awesome. As always, Ron's appearance brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. It's time for SEC play, Ron. Thoughts? Yeah. I've been waiting on it. I'm loving it. I can't wait. Like it's it's, I and I think all of all of the SEC since we ain't got nobody playing in the the championship game. Everybody's ready for it at this point. Like it's kind of wash it away, hurry up, and move on, and hopefully, man. I know, it, and it's not just SEC fans, but Commissioner Sankey. I think is has got a lot pushed into this one, man. Hoping that we can get a team to the Final Four, and I think you have a opportunity, man, with with this SEC season and Tennessee's right up there. Creme de la creme of this group, you know, that's, that's vying for one of those final four spots. Hey, let me can I jump in real quick here, Caleb. I'm sorry, but um, with the you, the college basketball regular season has waned. I think we can all agree with that because of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Do you, as a basketball guy, are you concerned that the 12 team playoff could take even more attention away from basketball in the month of December? Uh, I, I think so, um, unless it's done, unless the regular season of basketball is done kind of like it was this last month of December. I thought it was some really good matchups across the landscape of it. Like, you had some Blue Bloods playing earlier on. Um, and then this, I also like the conference challenges. I think we've been waiting on the SEC-ACC challenge for quite some time. Um, and it was good to see that in the spot of right after the SEC championship. So you had a little break with some bowl games that you don't really know what matters, not what really what the college football playoff. So you had those fan bases tuning in. But I think everybody else was kind of watching through in that, during that gap. And I think if you could space it out like that, I also believe, man, Peter Burns came up with a great idea. Like you should push the basketball season back um, if, if you wanted to, you know what I mean? And let it run on into um, May. You know what I'm saying? Like 
I think that that would be great too. So it's no overlapping. You know, everybody gets this rightful attention, and you're not scrambling for for fans to be watching. But I like what I like what I saw this last December. I thought it was that was impressive. It was some, and it helps when you got competitive teams. It was more competitive this year as well. Note to self: trademark May Madness. Oh, get on it early. Oh, that's much better. Also, I mean, just for the May mental Mandela. health. Of- <laughs> I mean, t- I, I know Ron. He knows how to turn a buck. He's sitting there thinking, I'm going to beat Dave to this. <laughs> also, for the mental health of reporters like us three who cover these sports, uh, Rod, yeah. I would have to say that I've always hated that March Madness aligns with the start of spring practice. That's just too much happening at one time. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can get it done in May before the College World Series starts in baseball. Like you can just have yep. it all together. So then at the right, same time, man, like to scratch that itch, uh, I always like the last probably eight to ten years. Like I'm a Masters fan. Like and it kind of slides over into the Masters a little bit. Like I, I want to watch the Masters too and not worry about what's going on. So yeah, man, it's, yeah. it's a lot to cover, man. When you talk about all these sports overlapping. Yeah, totally agree. Um. Ryan wanted to dive in a little bit, zone in on Tennessee because they uh, have what many people will be considered a solid test on Saturday, and Ole Miss is their SEC opener. But you tell me, I'm not so sure Ole Miss is that much of a test. I know they're 13 and 0 and number 22, but you know they're 84th in Ken Palm rankings right now. Yeah, and they are they haven't played a soul. They're that type of team that you know those teams, Ron, that they could have like 26 wins at the end of the year and still not make the NCAA tournament because their yeah. schedule was so bad. Yeah, so. What do you think? How do you think Ole Miss will test them? Man, I, I was I was reluctant to give them props um, until I was able to see them and I saw them personally, and they passed the eye test for me, man. Especially the the styles that um, the styles that Tennessee plays and Ole Miss plays. I don't think you know when you're going up against. I think Tennessee can play different styles. I think Ole Miss needs to stick to their style to be to win these games. Um, like them going up against an Alabama. That wants to get up and down and shoot threes. I don't think that'll bode well for them. Um, Florida, I don't think it'll Arkansas, maybe if Arkansas is not hitting threes, but um watching them, man, it's do they take on the personality of their coach? And regardless of whatever Chris Beard got going on, when he get um in that in that, in that team facility and in those white lines, man, dude is a he's a monster. He's a monster, and you can see it coming out of his players. I think I saw. Um, a cover that wasn't left bare by Kermit Davis, and he picked it up. Got some guys to transfer in. Allen Flanagan is playing with a newfound level, like he had his sophomore at Auburn before he got hurt. Like this guy, he's tough, man. Like they get to their spots. They got a four-headed monster on the outside um, and two seven-footers inside. It's gonna be tough. I, I I don't think they're a great shooting team, even though they've been shooting lights out like the last four or five games. Um, so can that carry over onto the road against a quad one team that's gonna close out with a hand up? You know what I'm saying? The teams that they played before, they closed out, but they ain't got no hand up. They almost daring them to shoot and they're making it. So um athleticism, and then I think the biggest thing, um, you see the accountability that they're holding each other to. Like it was a it was a dust up in the game versus Bryant. Um, between the the point guard for Ole Miss and um, one of Bryant's players. And immediately, it was a bench player that was in the game from Ole Miss, and immediately he went and grabbed him, and everybody huddled up at half court. And you could hear him talking to him like, hey, dog, we don't need this, man. Like, we got a way bigger goal. You know what I mean? Come on, leave that alone, man. We got stuff we're trying to work on. Stay focused on what we're doing. And I thought that was 
that was key. So anytime you can coach yourselves and the coach don't have to get on to you, you gotta, you gotta, you, you got something set up, man, when it comes to leadership that's unquestioned. So I think that's big now. You gotta take it on the road and win against a quad one team, a top 10 team. And I think that's gonna be difficult. Do I think they're in the same stratosphere as Tennessee? No, I don't. But um Man, they, they, they're going to be a tough out. They're so athletic. Good gosh. Morrell has – he's probably one of the most talented guards in the SEC without question, Matt Morrell. You know what I mean? And, and for, uh, coupled with Flanagan. I'm telling you, Flanagan's playing at a whole different pace right now, man. Okay. Uh, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch from Tennessee side, though. Mm-hmm. We saw Zakai Siegler, man. He's it's like he's fully back and healthy, balling. And I think, and you're right. And the interior presence is starting to help Tennessee a lot from three. Yep. Because it's clearing things out. However, I was big on Jonas Andrew a month ago. Starting to think maybe Toby Walk is the guy because I've just got to be honest, Ron. <laughs> if a fight breaks out underneath the basket, yeah, wouldn't you rather Toby Walk be down there than Jonas Adu? Yeah. No. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I want I want Jonas Adu to be the lookout. Because he's, he's tall. He can look over everybody. Like, tell us how many coming. You know what I mean? We're going to battle these ones right here in this fox this foxhole. You look out and make sure you can see how many people coming if we need some more help or something. But Tobey is a different guy. And, and, and honestly, Kato, think about this, man. That is a great problem to have. You saw the emergence of Jonas A. Dude. Now you're starting to see Tobey and Walker. When I was walking into the SEC season, I'm looking at it as, man, I don't know what the depth is like in the front court. That was the only thing that was that was worrying me. But to see a walker take that another another step and get comfortable in being able to get the ball and use a move like out because you're undersized. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be playing like against Ole Miss with two seven footers. You got to be able to use your body, carve out space, um, find angles and different things. And he's looked like he's starting to do that. And he's relentless on the board. So that's what I was scared of. I thought that's where we feel victim early on in the season um against purdue against kansas it was the front court depth you know one of those guys foul out or some of that nature the second guy's not really ready to come in he gotta get it warmed up get going you don't see that no more it's when when they do it ain't got it going you can bring toba in and you're not missing a beat and that's that's beautiful to see so um and i still want to see one more i still want to see one more guy take that step whether it's estrella or k phillips somebody else got to take that step but I like where it is now, so I, I, I totally agree with you. Tobey, man, is I, – I thought I, – I, I'm a big fan of guys that play on the national team regardless of the age, under 18, under 20, under 19, NBA, uh, Olympic team, whatever it is, you never come back at the same level. You always go up a level. And I think you're seeing that with Tobey Walker playing against pros um, from other countries, and he's brought that in. He's in, in a comfortable space right now. Ron, I don't want anybody to get fired. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. What, what you yeah. about to say then? <laughs> well, I just I feel like there are times that kind of dead man walking or dead woman walking. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say that about Kelly Harper. I do. I, I really, mm. really do. But it just doesn't feel like it's going to work out. I mean, if you had a better mortgage payment, or is Tennessee looking for a new Lady Vols coach in the offseason? Oh, I'm right there with you, Hook, man. Good gosh. When you talk about what a Lady Vol embodies, um, discipline, leadership, um, 
being able to take a step um if you need to reset resetting taking a deep breath going at it again never giving up like she embodies all of this something is not translating to the court to the players to the court um you look around the league i don't think tennessee's ever been the lady vols have ever been in a situation where they've been strapped for talent Mm. like you know what i mean like it's and this is no knock to any of them. I, I think all of them uh, are worthy of it, man, and they're giving their all for it. But look around the SEC, you're like, dang, that, that look like I laid the balls. Like, they used to look. You know what I'm saying? Like, one or two, like, you, it was never just one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was never just one or two. It was, you got four or five, man, and you don't know what this class is going to be coming in next year. It's, it's different, man. And I think – um Coach Kelly, man, is she's in a situation where she came from what was it, uh Southeast Missouri or South Missouri? How you say it? Southeast Seymour. Missouri State, yeah. 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 So coming from there and you get to this stage, and the way you won that was she was very successful. I'm not sure you can win that way in the SEC. You kind of got to tweak some things, you know what I mean? And it kind of shows in the in the wins and losses, but man. I, I don't want to say that either, man, but if I had to put stock in it, I think they may be looking. And you start to look around, man, to everybody hitting on these first-time coaches. Um, I thought that Carol Lawson um, situation was a big one. I, like, I love Carol Lawson. That was in my class in 99, so I'm going to be biased. But I thought that was a, a, a big situation, man, if a trigger would have been pulled to get her, whew, go get her, man. So, man, I hope Kayla can get it together. But, man, if I had to put a little stock in it, I might – I might get somebody else put a, put some stock in in another name, so it ain't gonna be my name. But I think I would reap the benefits on this Fair one. Enough. Yeah, um, Ron, there's there's a, a couple of things that I think are really working against Kelly Harper right now. Mm-hmm. On top of just the on court reference, one, Danny White himself is the best hirer of coaches around, and he knows he's the best hirer of coaches around. And his strength has actually been women's basketball. Um, yeah. Felicia Leggett Jack, he found her out of yep. nowhere when he was at Buffalo. Yep. And uh, I forget the UCF coach, but she's another. she was another gem of a hire when he was down there. Mm-hmm. And But then the other thing is you brought it up. I mean, Kara Lawson is – she is working – she's recruiting on the level of UConn right now at yeah. Duke, and she's and she's coaching them well. And, she's and she, Yeah, and she is one of the smartest people to ever be in basketball. So, yeah. I mean – you're isn't when, when when tides like like that happen? Is it it's it's hard to stay around if you're just doing okay, right? You can't just do okay, right? It it, it is, man, and you got to look at it. And Kelly honestly is a victim of her own success. Like she set that bar, you know what I'm saying? Like it it not not taking anything from Pat. I mean, I mean she she had to give it to the players, and I'm I'm sure she would always say, man, this is my players that went out and did it. So Kelly's a part of that foundation that was able to carry it on, pass that torch, uh, and. The bar is set because of her. And, I, I mean, to a, a, a human being, like, looking in the mirror, I think she would say, man, I, I don't feel like I'm getting it done. You know what I'm saying? I am most definitely trying, and I'm not going to stop. But injuries play a part. All of this transfer portal takes, plays a part. But, man, at the end of the day, in this business, the way college landscape is today and the way the women's game is growing, I think that's the other part. 
the women's game is growing so rapidly that that Lady Vols brand cannot be left behind. It's, it's no way possible. You can't let South Carolina LSU take off, UConn, Louisville. But like you can't let these schools. Ohio State just landed a big one in Jelani Cambridge. Like, like it's and it's some it's some ones that I I know Coach Kelly is working with to be able to get um like Lauren Hassel, who will be a dynamic dynamic get uh, Trent Hassel's daughter who's a sophomore. But it's a um it's a lot of people that she can get man man you got to go get them you got to land them because talent is everything. Look what Dawn is doing man. Look what Mulka is doing like it's. You can't be left behind. Not not the Lady Vols. Uh, Vols basketball, we can fall in the wayside a little bit. Tennessee football, you can fall in the wayside and try to dig yourself back out. Lady Vols, they, they man, they did it. <laughs> they did this. Let, let me ask you this, because an elite job is one that you can call anybody and they're going to pick up the phone and have a serious conversation. Mm -hmm. So... So much expectations, such an incredibly yeah. large shadow cast by Pat Summit. Is Tennessee an elite job, or do the expectations of the fan base make potential coaches wary? Um, I think it's an elite job, um, especially in that realm, just because of what she already set up. Um, you look at it and you think about just the different levels that it went to um, and the support that she got. Like you could easily walk into a Tennessee program and get to asking questions about the football, asking questions about men's basketball, so forth and so on. And then when you get to the Lady Vols program, this stands alone. Like I, I don't, I don't. You working all the way from the '80s all the way up to today? It's you start talking Lady Vols, like just look across the college landscape. Who else is saying "lady" in front of their names? Mm. <laughs> it's not. This this the lady this the lady balls like they were able to hold on to it for a reason so it's it's a program man and yes it's tough hell yeah because they've been winning like <laughs> you feel you feed your belly you feel you feel your belly up with that with them championships it don't feel good man when you just win a SEC championship like you want to go be being in the final four like it's different it's different. I do I think that you pick up the phone for anybody though, and they're gonna answer. They're at least listening. And if you, you get them on campus, go, do you think so, they could go hire Carol Lawson tomorrow? I think Coach K would have something to say about that. But see, that's what I'm saying. You're getting a pull from a different direction when you talk about Duke. It's gonna take a Coach K to come in there and say, "Hey, we're gonna give you all the resources too. We're gonna lose you." But if it, if the Lady Vols hold true to what it is, hell yeah. That's a dream job for Carol Lawson. She ought to wow. like she. I, I would think. I would think. We get inside. You couldn't bring. You couldn't so, bring it. You couldn't bring a championship as a player. What's the next best thing? Bring it as a coach. That's true. Ron, um, do you think one of the things that what, what I want to talk a little bit X's and O's with Kelly Harper mm -hmm. and the, the way she coaches because uh, it's not like you know. I don't think any of us think that she doesn't know basketball. She knows it. She's yeah. forgotten more than I'll ever learn. Do you think one of the problems sometimes with Summit Pat Summit proteges and Carol Lawson is not showing this, but it's that they're the style of coaching that Pat Summit employed isn't as effective in women's basketball anymore because there was such an emphasis on crowding the paint with defense and rebounding that I don't you think. Doesn't it seem like Kelly Harper's too committed to that, which was from the 90s style and even the 2000s with Candace Parker, but the game 
women's basketball hasn't it gone the way of the men's game at this point where it's a lot more fluid and spread out than it used to be. And the biggest yeah. star is Caitlin Clark for a reason. Right. And I, and I think that's what Tennessee is missing. You're missing that person that you can say, move, get out the way, and the floor is going to be spaced, go get you a bucket. And then on the defensive end, I think you also, yeah, I think you're also looking at it on the defensive end, and you usually have somebody to patrol the paint as, as you did back in the past, but it was like a lot more crowded. And if you get to the point where you can space the floor, yeah, you got to get those type of players that match that style of play. Like even the to me, even the players don't really match that style of play. You know what I mean? You still had to be quick twitch, athletic, switching one through five. You know what I'm saying? Like Tamika catches, they can go small and let catch play the five. Candace Parker could switch out and go guard a three. You know what I'm saying? Like you you had the fighters, but you had those type of athletes as well. So I think that's the to me, that's the biggest part. If you you gotta you gotta establish what that lady ball prototype player looks like and be able to go get them. I think that's where you're lacking at. You know what I mean? And there's no not because you got some really good players. You got some really good players, but they to me, they do one thing well. You know what I'm saying? Whatever they may be, whether it's shooting, whether it's handling the ball, whether it's finishing, whether it's rebounding, whether it's blocking. Lady Vols do a lot of things. They're interchangeable. When you look over the years, successful teams had interchangeable players. It was never just one person that's going to be the one. And what well, if they get covered up, we're going to let somebody else handle the rock. You know what I'm saying? You go play the two. It's fine. So I think that that's the talent, man. Ron, great stuff as always. You're on 104.5 The Zone from noon. To, I'm sorry, from <clears throat> 3 to 7 Central? Six? Yeah, it's, it's 7 is after party. That's a little bonus, party. Little bonus <laughs> for everybody. Shots, 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 shots. A lot going on. In a- yeah, it's wild. All <laughs> right, so um, and then we can follow you uh, on, on the Twitter and uh, we we appreciate you each and every week. Brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Thank you, sir. No doubt, man. I know a lot of people to the Vol Nation, man. A lot of people been hitting me asking, man, are they gonna put you on the game at, 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 in in Knoxville? I'm begging them to, y'all. It's not me, believe me. Well, when, the, when, when, when do you get the call? I, I mean, mean uh, is it like Saturday morning? They say, hey. We need you at TBA or Food City or whatever the hell that's called. We need you at aisle nine to call the game. Yeah, hey, man. They gave me the schedule, man. And Wednesday and Saturdays, they got me in studio. Hopefully something comes along where they say, you know what? Let's put them on a the game this week. So we'll see, Let's man. Let's do a three-person Let's do a three-person broadcast because Rod and Dane Bradshaw could both be color guys. Because Dane, Dane would be like a Kenny Smith to your Charles Barkley. Dane is so savvy. Good God, Dane is savvy, man. I, I love talking to dude. That's my guy. I've been taking so many notes after Dane, but don't tell him that though. Oh, you passed Dane. <laughs> it's, it's, it, Dane's in the rear view. It's it's Billis. It's up front. Got to go get him, baby. Got to go uh, get him. <laughs> have a blessed day. We love you, man. And again, uh, want people, the, the link is below for Zach and his family. No and um, certainly check that out. Uh, we appreciate you, Ron. No doubt. Happy New Year, guys. Go Vols. Happy New Year. Ron Slay. There we go. Yeah, what do they do there at ESPN? Do they just call him at like 830 in the morning and say, head on down to the stadium? You get to call the game? I mean. How does that work? How do they not know on Thursday who's calling the game? Well, I mean, they've, they've moved people off before for things like the week of for like, there was a really, really funny story. Uh, the year the Charlottesville stuff happened, there was a guy by the name of Robert Lee that was calling a Virginia football game and they moved him off the game because his name was Robert Lee, which was the stupidest thing ESPN ever did. But like, like the guy, like the guy named Robert Lee had anything to do with Robert E. Lee. One, he was Asian. So he obviously had no relation to Robert Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Almost makes you wonder if they've been to the hemp house. 
the NCAA, that is. The Hemp House, or ESPN, I should say. The premier hemp dispensary with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House Chat with two Ts. Hemp House Chat with two Ts. Use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED, and you'll get 10% off. So th- this is... Caleb has these ideas in the 3.45 a.m. production meeting, and... Everybody's saying I hate ESPN, uh, worst company in the history of man to work for. But anyway, um, so Caleb has these ideas, and he's got a new one. And at first, I was like, "Is that a left field?" I was like, "Is uh, Caleb been uh, partying?" And uh, now that I kind of think about it, I don't dislike it. Propose your idea, the masses. So I'm not going to take full credit because this actually was first proposed by Kirk Herbstreet a few days ago. And Josh Pate said he loves the idea. The concept was the national championship game in college football this year is at Houston. It's been at a random location for the years. For every year, they're doing it like the Super Bowl where it's at a random location. They're going to continue that with a 12-team playoff. But Kirk proposed just make the Rose Bowl the national championship. It's the granddaddy of them all. You said you've been out there once. I've never been to a Rose Bowl game, but I've seen the Tournament of Roses Parade on TV. I just did my history piece on it. It captures still to this day. Dave, tell me if I'm wrong. They still take very seriously the essence and tradition of college football and the pageantry, don't they, out there during those? Uh, Relatively speaking, it's not the South, though. I'm going to go ahead and say... But they get... But, I mean, the historic... They understand the historic importance of the bowl game more than anything. And it's the one bowl game still in its original location. The Cotton Bowl has moved to AT&T Stadium away from Cotton Bowl Stadium. I thought that was a big slap in the face to tradition to move to AT&T Stadium, honestly, from the Cotton Bowl Stadium at the Texas State Fairgrounds. The Orange Bowl is no longer in Miami. And honestly, uh, the Sugar Bowl never really had a traditional stadium because it was in Tulane. But the Rose Bowl is in the same spot it was when the first game played in 1902. And I thought, why put it? It's not the NFL. It's not like a Super Bowl. Shouldn't the college football national championship game be in a place that's going to appreciate the essence and the pageantry and the tradition of college football? Yeah, but there are more people that appreciate that in the South than maybe an organization that puts together the Rose Bowl parade. So really, you'd have more people that cared if it was in the South. The, the reason I don't like it, and I, I was actually at the Rose Bowl, as Caleb mentioned. I'm going to go ahead and pull up that picture if you want to see Fat Dave, super fat Dave, right there with Mike Strange and John Adams and uh, Drew Edwards standing in front of the in the Rose Bowl. That game didn't go so well for the balls. But, uh, yeah, I was there. It was a special place. But, Caleb, I'll tell you firsthand, it's not as special as South Carolina. I mean, as far as a game day atmosphere, there is just a different level when you go outside the SEC. I'll give Cal a lot of credit. Cal had a good game day atmosphere. But compared to the SEC, it was below South Carolina. It was below Ole Miss. Dave, let's be fair here. You were not covering a Rose Bowl game. You were covering a game at Rose Bowl Stadium. That's true. That's true. And so what I mean, because again, yeah, I would never compare a game in Pasadena to a game in South Carolina, but you can't do a national championship game on on-campus stadiums because some team might accidentally get home field advantage for that moment. So no one cares if it's in Pasadena. I know that's UCLA, but come on, let's be honest. UCLA is never going to get a home field advantage, even if it's in their own stadium. So I, I just think the, I think the, the bowls, how about this? How about alternate the old bowls? 
alternate the rose, sugar, cotton, and not Fiesta. That's not old enough. And, and orange. Rose, sugar, cotton, and orange alternate for a national championship game. And then their semifinal games, otherwise those bowl games. Because whatever you think of like, I'm not talking about regular season game day atmosphere. When you talk about bowl game atmosphere, you get the, you, you covered the Fiesta Bowl, right? And did you, yes. you went to the Orange Bowl, right? Peyton's last game? Yeah, yeah Peyton's last the Orange game. Bowl. The Orange isn't, Bowl there a un, isn't there a unique like mystique feel for these old bowl games and the tradition there when you go? That just. Well, see, I wanted to include, who would be the three if we want to do this on a permanent rotating basis? I would go with uh, Texas Stadium, the Rose Bowl, and the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. And I wanted to include the Orange Bowl, but it's at Joe Robbie, and it's really aesthetic, and it just, ugh, or antiseptic. What's the word I'm looking for? It just doesn't have any feel, Antic no soul. Anticlimactic. Yeah. And now, you're right. Words. Now it's at Hard Rock Except Stadium. for the 1A word. I'm not calling that 1A word. But what about this? <laughs> what about... Okay, you said Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. I know I, I would do Sugar Bowl New Orleans because the Sugar Bowl is so old and traditional. So I would do Sugar Bowl Orange, or I'm sorry, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, and Rose Bowl. Now there's an argument here, and I will give you this. You can tell me, but Stephen A. Smith did a rant on this Monday. You've been there. Apparently, when apparently there's a logistical issue with the Rose Bowl because there's it, it it's not well uh, thought out with the infrastructure and the traffic coming in for the big games anymore. And that's the biggest you know, reason they moved. People tell me that at the Rose Bowl, I had no problem. Oh, but yeah, but that's because UCLA fans weren't showing up for the game, Dave. That's because right. it was a regular season game right. atmosphere. That's fair. Um, no, now, and and here's where I'm thinking, like the Cotton Bowl, they had to move the Cotton Bowl. You know the reason? You know why the Cotton Bowl was not a BCS bowl, right, Dave? Ah, uh, because it was a hellhole. The stadium, yes, yes. they moved it. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I swear to you, I almost got frostbite in the press box. Oh, that's another one. That's right. You cover the cotton bowl. Do they not at least capture the essence of history in that bowl game though? The mystique well, you're, stuff? You're, you're asking. I, my cotton bowl experiences were not good. There was an ice storm one year. It was all you could do to get to the stadium. So I, I hated it. So <laughs> but, you preferred it. You were glad it moved to AT&T stadium. Right. But I respected the tradition of it. And I thought it was cool walking across the fairgrounds on an inch of ice, watching Jimmy Himes bust his rear. Um, and, but no, I mean, it's, I respect it, but I wish I'd, I could include the orange bowl. Um, but I can't. So I would say, you know, I, I would say those three, I would be okay rotating it. I just, I think it's still a Southern sport. It feels like to me when NASCAR was pushing so hard to get out West and they were taking uh, races from Martinsville and places like that. And they were moving them out West. And that to me feels like what you're trying to force down fans throats. And I just wonder if you I'm lose. I'm not trying to put it at SoFi stadium out there though. It's not like I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to put it in the Rose bowl, the oldest, most traditional bowl game. I mean, sorry, it is the granddaddy of them all. It does. It, the Rose bowl has more prestige historically than the sugar, or even the orange. In this area, though, I mean, I know you're right. I watch, <clears throat> I watched your video. It was awesome. People need to check those out. Those ball history or Tennessee, Tennessee ball history, and then college football history. They're awesome. So check them out. But is it? I mean, if you ask somebody in the South that's under the age of forty, 
that's not as learned as you because you're a little bit different. You, you know more about college football than most people. 99% of people, I don't know. Um, so if you ask somebody under 40 in the South, what's the greatest bowl game? Would they automatically say the Rose? I don't think they would. Well, most people in the South have, because Southerners have not valued bowl. They've wanted playoff. Southerners have wanted a playoff system longer than most until the SEC started winning a lot in the BCS era. I think they might. I think at the very, it's at the at the very least you could rotate rose, sugar, cotton. Put it this way: I don't want it at a. I don't want it treated like the Super Bowl. Is that fair to say? I don't want college football national championships treated like they're just at a random big NFL stadium every year. Am I wrong for thinking that? Because college football, isn't there a little blah feel that it's in Houston this year? Like, who cares? There's no real, like, there's no pizzazz when it's in Houston. There was no pizzazz when it was at SoFi Stadium last year. Well, so are there any on-campus stadiums that you would actually, I mean, the Rose Bowl is an on-campus stadium for UCLA, but it's bigger than that. Are there any on-campus stadiums that you would that you would say Not, should be in contention or no? No, because the on-campus will be the first round of the playoff, and you can't do on-campus for like the SEC schools because, Dave, let's be honest, one SEC school, would they'd have 75% of the home crowd there if that happened. I mean, if Georgia is playing a national title game in Athens or if Tennessee is playing a national title game in Knoxville and they're playing Washington, 90% of Neyland Stadium is going to be Tennessee fans. If you do it random, so you can't do well that. Said. Don what about, self, what about but, yes? Well, before you I get mean, to that, Don Self customer service still matters. I know everybody's shopping for price, but how about donself.net? Because he's been there for 40 years. They've helped you and they will continue to help you for four decades. Think about that. Customer service still matters, especially when you got to put that claim in. It's not all about getting a great deal. Go to donself.net right below donself.net. Sorry, Caleb, go ahead. What if you didn't know this would be really funny? They would never do this. But um, what if you, uh, because college football, for those who don't know, was historically an Ivy League sport. It started as an Ivy League elite sport. And as a matter of fact, the South rejected football for a long time because it was a damn Yankee sport. Um, and it wasn't until the 1920s that it blew up. What if you put a college football playoff national championship at one of the old Ivy League stadiums <laughs> just for like a appreciation of history? I will tell you this, and I'm giving him credit right now. Because this is he, he, this is it. This is the answer. No Rose Bowl, no Jerry World, no Mercedes Benz Dome. Uh, Nashville is an amazing city. Um, it should be Nashville, and they've got Just the new year? stadium. What's that? Just every year. Yeah. Over it's the Nashville. Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, because I th I think that. Um, for one, Atlanta's too congested. Uh, now Nashville's big enough, could be an entertainment hub, um, and it just screams south at me. Atlanta screams cosmopolitan. I just happen to be in the south. You, you know don't I mean? think Nashville's cosmopolitan? You don't think Nashville is cosmopolitan at this point? That is the, okay, the, the, woo girls from New Jersey and cowboy, cowgirl hats is Nashville at this point, okay? <laughs> I agree, and that's actually where uh, – Caleb had his bachelorette party, but <laughs> no, but uh, uh, I think Nashville with a new stadium, a little bit more space. I mean, I don't see where you can put another parking lot in Atlanta, much less 
<clears throat> I don't know. I'm just not a big Atlanta fan. <clears throat> I tell you what they could do if they re- if they really wanted to is um, if they wanted to put it in the heart of the South. I mean, did you know the two biggest the two cities with the highest ranking of college football are what cities? Would you care to guess? Nashville and Birmingham. That's exactly right. So, but at Legion Legion Field has fallen apart since the tide has stopped playing there. What if you restored Legion Field? For the national title. Well, I mean, that would be okay if you're fine with fans getting stabbed after the game. You ever been to Legion Field? No, I've been around it. I've never been inside Legion Field. <sighs> um, I loved an NCAA tournament game at uh, next door at about three in the morning, and I did not feel safe walking that hundred yards to my car and pitch dark. a rough place. Um, this could save it. This could save it. <laughs> I mean, the money. For, I'm just saying. I mean, look. I get what you're you're trying, but like I get it because the South cares about college football more. College football, Dave. For those who don't know, that's kind of an issue. They're trying to make it more national, and it used to. The reason the South cares about it more is because the South is dominating it in, in actual wins, and they're trying to get more teams to care. That's why long term it is, it's good for the sport if Michigan wins a close game against Washington in the national title game. Um, Michigan. Okay, let me ask you this then about your Rose Bowl thing. <clears throat> what about the elements? Now it is LA and I'm I'm aware I love LA okay so I know that the weather is great most of the time don't go in June that's called June gloom when it's overcast every single day but outside of that the weather's pretty awesome so it's probably going to be awesome but they could get rain showers if you hold it in Jerry World or in the Mercedes Benz dome you take the elements completely out of the out of the conversation and, and honestly I would rather see a team win on its own merit than a wet football get dropped um, or a torrential downpour like the Peyton Manning Super Bowl um, against Rex Grossman affected the game. I, I don't, I didn't like that. I didn't like seeing that. And I'm an element guy, but for the actual title game, Super Bowl or, or national championship game, I don't want the elements to be a factor. And Rose Bowl would still open that a little bit. I don't think that's ever happened in the Rose Bowl. It happened in Miami, but I don't know if that's ever happened in Southern California. Do you, you let's not remember, let's not forget why the Rose Bowl started. The Tournament of Roses Parade in the 1890s was trying to showcase, rub it into the rest of the country. Look how great our weather is, guys. Y'all have y'all y'all's weather sucks on New Year's. Our weather is awesome. That's the whole reason the that's the whole reason they sponsored this parade. And the Rose Bowl was started as a game to fund it. So the whole point of the Rose Bowl was just to showcase how much better the weather is in Pasadena than the rest of the country on New Year's Day. Um, I get your point, but again, Dave, do you capture the essence of college football at Jerry world? Do you capture the essence of a college football national title? I just don't like it being treated like the Super Bowl. Um, I actually think you would capture the essence of it at Jerry world because the cotton bowl has just kind of moved over their support to them. And it does feel like a college town when you're in Dallas which is unusual for a city that big. You can go to Atlanta and not know the SEC championship game is going on that weekend, but you know the Cotton Bowl is going on. All right, so I put up on the uh, YouTube uh, page there, picture a super fat Dave at the Rose Bowl. And uh, so uh, go ahead, and I'm going to open myself up because I criticize. It's our five favorite minutes. And your thoughts, we can go whatever direction you want to go because we like to bring you advertisers that you can trust we're building a community here and we think a lot of uh, the direction you can take the program uh, at times so if you would like to uh, you can go ahead and uh, talk about how fat dave is in that picture 
um, or how John Adams uh, already had a hair recession problem and Drew Edwards overdressed. Uh, so it's it's all right there. Um, but wow, Dylan came up with an interesting idea. What about making Hawaii? No, that no. I mean, I get it. Hawaii is cool, but that is a that makes it a bowl game for the one percenters because only the millionaires will be able to travel to the national championship game every year. Again, that's the problem with the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl is only a sport for the one percenters now. College football should be for the masses. Yeah. um, John Adams. Yes, that is uh, John Adams. Fall fan for life says Cowboy Stadium. I'm going to stick with him. I think if it's going to be in one place perennial annually, I should say, uh, I think it's, I think it's Jerry world. I think that's, that's still football, crazy town. You you could do lead ups. You could just do all kinds of things. And I think it gets lost. And I'm just telling you from being around. And I was the guy who thought it was important to get out to LA on Tuesday for a Saturday game, just in case. (laughs) Because <laughs> I had an expense report. Um, and so I, I've been around and some of the cities just don't, they, they don't feel football. Dallas feels football. Atlanta doesn't feel football anymore. Uh, LA doesn't. And then you're saying you don't want them at any of the, um, any of the other stadiums, uh, like the uh, on-campus stadiums. I think Jerry World, your answer, would give Texas and Texas A&M, I guess, a little bit of a benefit. But that really doesn't matter anymore because the tickets, are the way they're divvied out, nobody's going to not buy their allotment of national championship tickets. No, they're not. I just – this is me loving history and tradition and pageantry. And, again, it's – the reason I picked the Rose Bowl is say whatever you want about it being a non-Southern place, but – they actually are the only place that still appreciates college football at its rooted history. Honestly, as long as Greg Sankey's commissioner of the SEC, the SEC is not going to be one that promotes tradition. Greg Sankey is shooting tradition in the head right now every time he's <laughs> making a decision for the SEC. Okay. Like he's about to kill nine or 10 traditional rivalries in the SEC. So it's, you know, I, I, whatever you think about the Southern football fans, Greg Sankey cares nothing about pageantry. Um, and so <laughs> uh, I, I will say this. Derek brings up the one that we haven't mentioned at all. So I'm just going to leave fat Dave on the screen. One word to describe Dave's look there. Beyond pudgy. That's two words. Uh, Las Vegas. <clears throat> I don't want to see it be in Las Vegas. I just don't. Yeah, I don't either. And as much as I love gambling and I have a fun time gambling and I love being out in Vegas to gamble sports, not for college football. I want college football at traditional bull sites that have a level of pageantry if i had my choice dave i'd put the sugar bowl back at tulane stadium okay because that's where it originally was and i'm a history guy and i want it back at tulane stadium yeah i don't like it at the superdome in new orleans i want it at tulane stadium and i want the orange bowl at the old uh moorefield i believe it was actually in miami i don't know why it's out at the hard rock stadium that's annoying okay i want it in miami i want the sugar bowl at tulane stadium Put the Cotton Bowl back at the Texas State Fair. I don't care oh how old gosh. it is. Look at Travis making fun of you. Um, he says, "I say do it at Sewanee. That's tradition." Now, may, you may you you may be a little too steeped in tradition. Okay. I'm not steeped in tradition. I'm steeped in tradition. That's good. Sewanee was bad tradition. Just a little bit. 
just a little bit. No. I'm throwing out that out there. Hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, loved Ron Slay and, uh, and and Josh Ward being on the program today. By the way, I just want to bring this picture up one more time because uh, you know who took this picture? Um, can you you can see it there, right? You know, who took. Oh, it? I see it at the top. It's Mike Strange. He didn't take the damn picture. What's that um, name of Mike Strange? No, my wife took the picture. Oh, your wife. Yeah, submitted by Mike Strange, but my wife didn't get photo credits. Wow. What the H? Yeah, as a matter of fact, let's do that right now. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. <laughs> the Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Why didn't my wife get photo credit? What the H? Leave you that show represented by Banks and Jones. Caleb, do you have any thoughts on that? It's messed up, man. It's messed up, especially after your uh, wife was willing to go with you. Was that to the uh, Playboy? Oh, no, that was when you went to the Cal game, not the UCLA game. No, it was UCLA. Uh, it was UCLA? Okay. That's why yeah. you didn't think there was what was that great. You'd already had a little bit too much fun that week. <laughs> oh, I had fun that week. Oh, I, I, I had fun. Uh, my expense report that came in, instead of an envelope in, in a big box was proof of that. When you get your expense report back and it's not, it, it won't fit in a regular envelope, then you've spent too much money on the new Sentinel's time. But I chalked that up to no credit for my wife in that picture. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, the show represented by Banks and Jones. And on a Friday, we'll talk to Fred White. We always enjoy that. Uh, be sure and check out the uh, website for coverage of the Vols. I thought Caleb had a great piece on Brew McCoy and what his <clears throat> return meant, both behind the scenes and what it meant to Tennessee's uh, program. Be sure and hit that like and subscribe button. And if you would uh, like to purchase a book, that link is right down below. But um, I would really, really, as much as anything, like for you to uh, contribute whatever you can uh, to Zach and uh, Zach Turner. Uh, his wife's battling cancer, so um, I don't, I don't know about the prognosis, but um, this would be a good time to donate. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.